Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Uh, it's the afternoon here at 3 Triple RFM. A very, very good afternoon to all you listeners. I look across, <laughs> I'm looking across in the studio and there's a human being in it. Carl Chapman. Good morning, Cam. Good afternoon. We are in the same space. We are in the same space. But separated by... by Perspex. Yes. Uh, just to let you know that uh, we continue to operate safely here, but... Most importantly, we continue to broadcast from beautiful downtown East Brunswick. One of the things we are going to be talking about is the climate for hospitality. And uh, we're going to bring to the microphones, well, via phone, someone whose name I'm sure you've heard of, but we haven't yet got to meet her. Her name is Gina Ezard. And uh, you might have known of the place called Ezard's at Adelphi that was opened way back in 2001, when it was a time that you could uh, open up a hospitality venue pretty easily, it'd have to be said. Things have got a bit tougher now, let's face it. And, uh, and Gina is going to have a chat to us, offering her years of experience and observations of uh, how the industry is, so... It'll be an interesting little snapshot and a look forward to uh, how to survive this industry if you want to do it. Have you ever thought of opening up a cafe, Cal? Uh, no. Good. <laughs> Good. I was going to have to hit you on the I'm, head. I'm very happy uh, frequenting everybody else's cafes. Just say, just give me the coffee and make sure it's hot. Anyway, so Gina is out. It's going to be a first cab off the rank. Uh, secondly, we're going to do a segment, which I don't know why I haven't thought of doing it before. We do not have John. At the market, because we've been leaning on him last three weeks he's been on. And I thought maybe it might be a good idea just to go to the market with a chef. I wasn't sure if he might even have been impacted by the um, no, he's, being exposure site. He's not on the southern side, thank right. goodness. Um, but we're going to be going to market with uh, Nikki Rima from uh, Bellotta Restaurant. We're just going to talk about this time of the year because we're getting into this beautiful abundance of all sorts of glorious things you know berries stone fruits etc etc then it's going to be a little bit of uh, Duncan Buchanan's world of wine which we uh, we have our cat already to play for him which should make him pretty happy and we're hoping we're going to get him onto zoom and we're going to talk a little bit more about vintage and I'm going to talk to possibly the greatest thing that's ever happened to Riesling with him later on. The one thing in this intro that I just want to mention is the fact that I've finally succumbed to the siren song of sourdough. I've resisted it for a while, Carl. I know. Yeah. Have you, have you, been, have you had the bug by any chance? I've loved, I would love to bake, um, but yeah. I haven't gotten around to it. But having seen... Have your... you learned to play the mandolin or anything like that? <laughs> Strangely, no. no okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just the recorder when I was about seven. Ah, God! What an, what an awful cacophony. Yes, but I, uh, finally, thanks to a buddy of mine, uh, Steve. Thanks, mate. He, uh, he set me free with the, uh, with the starter, shall we say, which I've named Bertha. And I did my first loaf of sourdough, and I was pretty happy with it, actually. And uh, if you want to have a look at this loaf, 
um, along with, I don't know, all the other million loaves of sourdough that are on Instagram. Uh, you can check it out, Cam Smith Eat It, and have a look at that. It's very impressive. Oh, thanks. You've given me a sneak preview. Really? Okay, yeah. well, look, um, we might just keep on moving because uh, we'd love to get to Gina Rezard. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. It's uh, nearly the end of summer and uh, at the beginning of this uh, incredible year, 2021. So what are you doing out there? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I can cook. I like coffee. Maybe. Maybe I should open up a restaurant. It was sort of like the old days of when people thought, oh, I know what I can do with a little bit of retirement money. I'm going to buy a pub and I'm just going to relax into a glorious retirement. Some people might say that's a little bit unrealistic. And maybe, possibly, the person who is at the other end of the phone line, a very, very good morning, or actually I should say afternoon, you think I'd learned this after all these years, to say g'day to Gina Izzard. Hello. Hi, Cam. How are you? I am well. Where have we found you? Oh, you just found me in my office, actually. Oh, you're, um, you're working. Well, you know, a little bit of work on a Sunday morning or afternoon, early afternoon before, you know, a bit of recreation uh, in the afternoon is sometimes what I do. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I get away from all this work that piles up. But maybe let's go back to uh, another era. It's, it's Melbourne. It's the Central Business District in 2001. And yep. you've opened up a restaurant. Tell us yes, a little bit correct. about um, the restaurant itself and those times and the planning that went into opening the doors on this place at uh, postcode 3000. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it was a fine dining uh, restaurant about seated around 70. Um, and yes, it was two years in the planning. We put a lot of effort in to make sure that we were going to open and do it well. Um, we had some great connections um, and obviously Tade was a good chef um, but we also knew that we had one shot at it and uh, the shot was to make sure that we planned it correctly uh, and that we got our, our set-up costs and budgets together and and stuck with them as we went through the process of uh, putting the, the restaurant together. So the restaurant was called Ezard at Adelphi. Of course, we're speaking the man back of house Commanding the pants and commanding the pass, no doubt, uh, is Teague Ezard. And uh, Teague at that stage was your partner and you had gone into this. What was the motivation for you to say, you know, I really want to do a restaurant? Tell, tell me what, what went through your mind and motivated you to open those doors in 2001? Sure. Uh, look, I'd already been in business for myself over a number of years and um, obviously I, I did want to support um, Teague as well but yep. I also I love the idea of business and um, we put so much effort into the planning because that was kind of where my forte lied I suppose well, that, and, um, and, I, and I was excited to open up a restaurant I mean who wouldn't be if, if you've got the, the skill, you've got the, the talent etc yeah, um, yeah. and you know the also the um, 
the desire to be a part of the, the industry. So what did you say that your strengths were? Were you sort of the the, uh, uh, the head of the spreadsheets or planning? and? <laughs> yeah, so pretty much the planning, um, the financial sort of background that I already had, I suppose, and just really the business management side of it was was where I was in the business, yes. And it also has to be noted what an incredible success Ezard's has been. I mean, it's it's been quite astounding for a restaurant to maintain two hats for pretty... Well, for all of its um, its its history, its duration, it, it was. Yes. But what was Melbourne like in in those days, and how is it different from two thousand and one to twenty twenty one? Yeah, sure. I mean, there was a uh, there is a big difference now. It is. I think it's harder now um, because of the the fact that there is a lot more compliance. We've got you know high labour costs, etc. Whereas back then, yes, some things did exist, but we didn't have a, as much uh, compliance, I suppose. We had great quality food, but also there's a lot more competition these days because it seems that, um, I think anyway, people uh, decide to just, as I think you said in your intro, that people go, oh, you know, I think I'll just get my retirement money and open a cafe and it'll be great. But I think that... Sorry, um, derisive <laughs> snort there happened involuntarily. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, and it's not the case because there's just so many hidden costs involved and there's a lot more involved in the industry in hospitality, I think, anyway, than a lot of other industries that you should really be knowing about and, and be aware of. And, and even we haven't even gone into the disruptive technologies that are sort of around the industry. And also, it would appear to me, I mean, tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong, but the cost of food is just as well as wages, has just become astronomical as well. Yes, I, I believe so. I so mean, that's if a you tick. Want, yeah. It, it, it is, and I know people want, um, they also want to go out and, and eat uh, cheaply, but eat well. So, mm. you know, there's, there's not a lot of room in terms of margins, uh, and I think that if you're not aware of that going into the industry, that uh, you can chew into your cash flow pretty quickly. And and also just to set the thing before we come to the present day and what you're doing to uh, to help guide people uh, that mm-hmm. might be thinking of going down such a track, um, the whole notion of the city was a, was a different thing. We used to think of uh, the city as the central business district, the CBD. It was a place where you did business and you got out, but. And I probably won't be doing this very, very often, but I have to give kudos to Jeff Kennett. Mm-hmm. Let that just sink in there for a sec. For opening up the city with his postcode 3000 and and bringing life uh, residents and also great hospitality to the town. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And back then it was great. It was, it was accessible yeah. for, for everybody. Uh, and it, it has, I mean, obviously changed the city at the moment mm. which is um, tragic um, but, but yet know. we're still seeing places open you know the, and this is I guess this is the thing um, there was um, the great food critic AJ AG Gill who used to write for the Times and he was referring once to the West End of Melbourne Mayfair and was saying you know uh, the streets and the city around Mayfair, it's a little bit like the desert, you know, that it's like if you dig a hole in the sand, like restaurants, that will fill up. 
Um, uh, but that's, uh, those, those days um, are kind of different. Let's paint a picture of where we are, 2021. And yeah. if you were maybe not so much foolhardy, but you have to have your eyes open if you're thinking of going down hospitality. Can you make money from hospitality? Oh, look, I think you definitely can. Uh, I think if you've got the right formula uh, and there's definitely a formula that you can use to make sure that you're keeping track of the business correctly uh, and, as you say, having your eyes wide open and, and look, putting in the effort to make sure that you know the business back to front, I think there definitely are people out there that are making money in their businesses. Uh, but there's also a lot of people who are, are not, and I think that it, it doesn't have to be that way. I suppose that's where I'm coming from, is that for people to say, yes, I'm going to open up a venue, uh, please go and do the research that sits around what you need to know, mm. uh, because because knowledge is what's going to inform you about whether you can or cannot um, open that restaurant successfully into finances, I suppose. Because one of the um, worst things, Gina, sorry to cut across you, but sure. the, the very, very worst thing is either you go backwards at such a great rate that you become bankrupt, which is just a terrible thing, or yeah. even at a mediocre best with some places, you just become a wage, a wage slave where you are just working yeah. your guts out just to make a few shekels every week. And that's no way to yeah. live, is it? Because you're buying yourself a job and you're probably buying you're yourself buying a whole lot of stress. You're buying yourself a job, yeah. <laughs> so, Sorry, what was the last I mean, bit I cut across you? Um, very rude. You're probably buying yourself a whole lot of stress as well. Mm. So, um, you know, I think that if anybody is thinking about going into a cafe or a restaurant, go out there and get some information, get some learnings and uh, get yourself some knowledge around the industry if you haven't been in it. Um, and And I think you'll find that it will make your business better and it will make your life easier if you do that. Do you think that the CBD is going to get back to the levels that it did pre-pandemic? Oh, gosh, I hope so. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just wondering because this, it would appear to me that there's uh, been a move... All right, let's go back one step. Um, the, the corporates are the ones who provide a lot of the cash flow and the business to businesses within the city. We are now yeah. seeing, because of COVID, a lot of people are now starting to work from home and showing a, a regard to wanting to continue at some stage or some level to keep working from home. So we're probably going to see yeah. less people, less bums on seats, really. Yes. Yeah. But hopefully those people that are working from home are going local mm. and getting their coffees and their breakfasts and doing some of their meetings in their local cafes because yeah. I suppose it will keep the keep things rolling in the in the shorter term. Yeah, and hopefully um, we can get back to a, a, a normal or a, a new normal. I suppose I keep saying that as well. But look, I've got friends that are are still working in the city and they're, mm. they're going out to some of the newer restaurants and, oh, um, and I, it's great to hear that because, and, they're, and they're enjoying it, they're loving it. <laughs> you should be saying, well, you're bloody well better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, your, it's your duty. All right, so um, here comes the thing. Now, you, as well as writing a book, you're also um, doing a short course, a, a couple of days, uh, which yeah. is... Uh, pretty provocatively titled, uh, How to Avoid Going Broke in Hospitality. 
It's <laughs> it's your business, plan it or lose it. Actually, is the is the title, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so you're doing a two day workshop. Tell us a little bit about um, uh, what you are offering and uh, what people can expect. Sure. So at the moment, um, yes, it is a two-day workshop and we're hoping to get it into a four-part online down the track. Um, but really what, what we go through in the uh, training is uh, looking at a tailored business plan, how you can get really clear your ideas around what you want to do. We look at providing templates, etc., for um, practical budgets. Uh, and then we also do some easy marketing plans, which are... Hmm. It, it doesn't have to be all about social media when you're marketing. There's lots of other ways to do that and to broaden your horizons. Um, and then we also look at risk management. Um, and one of the key things, I think, too, is effective research. So there's research and then there's actually evidence-based wow. research. Yeah. And we want to be able to do that because once you're informed, you've, you've got a better idea of whether you're actually going to make a go of it. This is the and thing. there's a couple of other things in there too. Um, now, where do we, uh, if people are interested in uh, in pursuing this, we've got a two-day workshop. It goes from March 17th and 18th, so a lovely autumn course. Uh, yeah. If you book in before February 28th, there's a fairly hefty discount. It's not cheap, but I think it's probably well worth it. Where can people locate this course and sign up, hopefully? Yes, I can go to um, Eldred Hospitality. Um, ah, this uh, is part of under the Tony Eldred umbrella. Aha. Yes, that, yep. that is correct. Yes, um, so we're collaborating to to bring these um, this course uh, to to the industry because um, Tony and myself obviously have um, a passion around making sure that people are going into the industry and staying in the industry because um, there's statistics out there that are saying that you know nine out of Ten hospitality uh, businesses are actually going out of business within the first three years of and, opening. And what, and an, what an awful three years this would be! God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, look, some of that can be avoided by getting just getting some inside, you know, info and, and learnings. And I think that's kind of where I keep coming from: is that it doesn't have to be that high that st- statistic. There's there's ways mm. of um, helping you stay in business. Well, one of the things you really have to be when you're going into the hospitality business is a bit of a renaissance person because you've got to have so many things in your armory of tricks from, uh, you know, understanding accounting to food to marketing, compliance. Yes. There's a lot of things to keep in the air, but uh, it's a great business if you can make a, a fist of it and uh, and yeah. hopefully with people like Gina Rezard, your good self, we can see more and uh, more interesting independent restaurants because that's what I'd like to see. Yes, yeah, I agree with you. Beautiful. Uh, so back to it again one more time. Uh, Eldred Hospitality is where you're going to find it. It's your business. Plan it or lose it. Look for Gina Rezard. Uh, it's been marvellous having a chat with you, Gina. You can Fantastic. go out and Thank enjoy so the much. day. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, look forward to chatting with you again another time. Brilliant. Thanks, Gina. Thanks, Cam. See This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Welcome to Edit. My name is Cam Smith. Across from me, I have the fabulous... 
Carl. Hi, Cam. Yep. Ready to go. And um, this week, unfortunately, there is no John. We thought we'd uh, give him a little bit of a break. But um, I came up with an idea, which I'm surprised I haven't thought of earlier, which was uh, let's go to market with a chef. And uh, standing by, waiting by the phone, hopefully with it to her ear, we have the lovely Nikki Rima. Hello. Oh, oh hello. Good oh, afternoon. Oh, g'day. How you doing? <laughs> I'm very well. How are you? Is it Cook's Day Off? It is Cook Day Off. Hey. Cook Day Off. Did you do You did the dirty double down there at Bellotta and Bank Street yesterday? Did I ever. Dirty double. It was dirty. a great day. Bloody dirty doubles. A, it's, it's been a great few days since we reopened. It's, mm. uh, we had a short, sharp little break. Um, yeah. And then boom. And boom. Back up and running. And um, people, God bless people, they were back. Oh, like that. It was God so Almighty! Um, I, we've spoken about your place, and uh, but uh, can you just uh, just give an idea of uh, the place that uh, you command? You command the pass, <laughs> yes, and uh, yes. what sort of yes. food and where is it, and all that sort of stuff. Yes, we're located in the uh, luxurious uh, part of Melbourne called South Melbourne, Melbourne of the South, uh, Bank Street. <laughs> yes. And we have a great, humongous bottle store next to us, part of the Prince Wine Store family. Yeah, and, there's a uh, fairly did... good bottle shop next to you, I've heard. <laughs> Not a bad bottle, though. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I get to command the path of a great little wine bar. I like to call it a... Um, yeah, what do you call small, it? Small place with a big heart. Yeah, so, but you know, so wine bar bistro. Yeah, I guess wine. Yeah, wine bar bistro is probably you know to me to a T. Um, yeah, I really love to do the food there. That is, it's got to go with. It's got to go with wine. It's got to be <laughs> wine friendly. It's got to yeah. be you know eating friendly. I'm I'm very straightforward chef. I like good flavors and I like good seasonal produce. You know, so what's going on at the time is and- what I like to. And this is why we speak to you, because I know uh, not many chefs that are able to just bring out flavour like you do. So let's go oh, to the market thanks. together. What what market yeah. do you want to go to? Well, it's hard, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, I'm close to Paran Market. That's a bit of a, a, you know, my weekender. That's where I often go to shop on my days off. Usually, I'll probably, uh, you know, go every Sunday morning, or sometimes I'm often over at South Melbourne Market. So I've kind of amalgamated the two and what I've seen there in the last couple of days and sort of know what's going on at the moment. And I've got to say, there's, it's that great time of year where, you know, we're kind of late summer and, oh. like, we've just had this burst of heat. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, now we're getting a bit cooler. So it's, I feel like... You know, the tomatoes I've been eating in the last couple of days have been sensational still because of this last hit of heat. So some gorgeous Doncaster reds, which I still love, a simple don- Donny red tomato. Give me the Donny, yeah. Yeah, they're the best in a sauce. They're the best just, you know, sliced mm. open with extra virgin olive oil and salt. I love them. Um, but I'm also seeing just some really lovely, still some little green tomatoes around, some yellow, you know, just just stunning. So I really loved those, I saw. And I've also seen some great radishes still. Radishes, loving really? The, loving the radishes. Some really simple little radishes just with hummus. Oh, my God, so good. Made some hummus at work just for a little snack, you know, and then dipped the radishes in that. I thought really, really good. I and salad leaves. Years, years and years ago, it was it um, Andrew McConnell just came with a great idea of just yep. having radish, good bread, butter, salt, yep. and a can of Ortiz anchovies. 
Oh, yes, he did that too, didn't he? I remember, remember that? that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was, you know, it's, I guess it's those simple things that, you know, have been around for a long time. You know, the French have been eating like that for eons, yeah. you know. Profondo, you know, as some, the Italians yeah. would say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, we finally get onto them a little while later, but... I think what Melbourne is good at is embracing its produce, you know, and we're all smart shoppers now. Mm. I don't, you mm. know, you don't see people wandering around now looking for, you know, what they get in the middle of winter. You know, everyone's looking at <laughs> what I'm, what's there now, you know. Yes. The salad leaves are great. You can get really good peppery rockets now, you know, just stunning. And I'm really loving all the peppers, you know, our padronis and oh, well, yeah. the, the frigatellas are out and just pan-frying them, you know, oh, and a little can, bit of salt. Can, can I just stop you there? Um, padrones, for those that have never yeah. had those, can you describe them and tell me where – can you get them just for normal civilians? Oh, absolutely. Look, I mean, I guess they tend to be sold the, – the fantastic people of Romaro Farm, they did a little pop-up at Chibi yesterday, and that was – that doesn't happen very often, and yeah. they obviously had stacks of them selling there. But sometimes you just – when you're at your markets, you go to your fruit and veggie, your favourite one, and you just sort of say, listen, okay. I need padrone peppers. They're oh. these gorgeous little green sort of mini baby capsicums. Yeah, like a mini shrivelly. capsicums. Yeah, but, you know – Sometimes these things are a little bit hidden, you know. Obviously, mm. the big selling items, they're all out, you know. Yeah. There's a gazillion lemons and limes and oranges and all that kind of things, but sometimes you just got to ask the question. And I find oftentimes, yeah, we've got stacks of these out the back. You want them? You know? Oh, my God, so, really? Okay. Before okay, so you know, we're gonna do yeah, always ask, always ask. I've, I've fallen into that trap where even the most basic of things, I've gone, there's no basil. What's going on in the world? And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's out of Oh, here we go. Like, why didn't, hello, you, why you, didn't you ask? Yeah, exactly. But, God, um, why do I have to ask? The peppers, the peppers are stunning at the moment. They're really, really good. And obviously you're going to get that nice little... Um, you know, what is it? The one in ten, one in five, one well, in a hundred could be that's, nice and That's what the, the, the padrons are about. And it all has to do with um, with the climate they're grown in. Like, I think Absolutely. the more temperate mm. the climate, the more you're going to get the um, rip your head off real 10 well, out of 10 right. heat. Uh, and I think this last batch of heat we've just had probably ooh. means we're going to see a little bit more spiciness in them this week. And you excitement. Know, picking them up. All right, yeah. so one thing that we will see, the great thing about sunshine is I that uh, sunshine makes chlorophyll, which, yeah. uh, which empowers, empowers, it powers plants. And most importantly, it sets sugars in fruit. And we are seeing fruit. the very, very best of stone fruit now. I know. Oh, I'm my God. Stone fruit. stone fruit tart is on the menu at the moment. At stone work. fruit tart? And, um, just we do a really simple... Do you call it like stone fruit art. tart? Stone fruit tart. Well, I love that. I don't think I've ever heard of stone fruit tart. Have you tried the like stone it. fruit tart? It's fucking awesome. Sorry. <clears throat> I just took the ball and ran no. with it a little bit too far. No, what stone do, fruit are in your tart, Dal? I, I will. I, I literally will order... Send me your best yeah. from the boys. Oh, you know, yeah. I'll ask yeah, my okay. fruit veggie guys. I'll Go say, on. I want the best. So this week I got white peaches, <gasps> nectarines, and blood plums, and oh. they were all amazing. And like you said, like, you know, just these little sugar bombs still. But that the tartness in their skin a little bit, and then you get into the sugar when you mm. bite into the fruit. It was just mm. great. So I just do a really simple um, sweet shortcut short crust pastry base. Uh, put a little bit of an almond frangipan in there. Do you there, bake you know, it blind first? Bake it blind first, I Chef? Do, I do do a bit of a blind bake first. What are your pulses? Um, what are your weights of choice? 
Chickpeas. Oh, chickpeas. Okay. A lot of people like use chickpeas. rice. Some people yeah, no, I, uh, who I like do, live in a certain postcode go to uh, uh, whatever that uptown store is and they get their pulse oh, weights. expensive stones, yeah. yes. I know. It always blows Have my mind. But that's and true selling them. Like, oh, oh, you need expensive stones. No, just use chickpeas. Okay. So, baked blind, frangipani. Yeah. What's frangipani? Yeah. That's, that's um, almond stuff, it's isn't it? It's essentially almond milk, almond butter. And sugar, you know, like it just gives you that lovely, you know, nutty sweetness to it. Mm, I put mm. a little bit of, um, I could completely blank, it's an almond liqueur. Uh, amaretto. Yeah, just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Yep. Just a little bit. Um, and then literally just slice the fruit and really be generous with the fruit because as it bakes in the oven, you it, know, all the juice diminish. comes out. Oh, God, it's great. So very, very popular at the moment. Um, and, you know, this is when you get your stone fruits and you cook them or you eat them fresh. It's, they're not going to be around for much longer with this gorgeous sort of sweetness that's happening still. Or so I highly recommend them. We use the C word on a Sunday. Compote. Oh, <laughs> I'm so naughty. Uh, yeah, but no, compotes. Now is a great time if you've got oh, the yeah. jars and the things because there's all those plums, and plums are great on porridge and cereal and oh, or just absolutely. by themselves during the, the depths of winter. Now is the yeah. time to get it ready, people. Bottle the sunshine. Oh, that's right. Like we have for millennia. Soon will be typical Melbourneites going, where's the sun? I need my sun back. It'll it'll happen. Hey, what about all these berries? What do you do with all these berries that are around too? Yeah, look, I know, I mean, at the moment, um, I I probably haven't been using as many berries in the last week or so. I've been Mm. really focused on the stone fruits. But I do do love to um, often make purees of those fruits, like the strawberries and the raspberries, and and then freeze them down so that then I can use them a bit later on. So whether or not I use them in a sauce later or add them to a caramel, like I often like to make a caramel just with sugar, you know, and get it really to that point of almost burning caramel and adding fresh orange juice and pureed raspberry to it. And you get that gorgeous raspberry orange caramel. And then that's something that I can have, you know, I can be really naughty and have that on ice cream (gasps) or I can just have that there as something that I might put with, oh, just anything really, a really nice sponge, you know, and some whipped cream. Mm. But it's something that, you know, I like to sort of, if I can't have the fruit, I can often puree it and freeze it um, or cook it in a little bit of sugar and cook it down and then just keep it in a, in a glass jar in the fridge, something like that, so oh. that I've got it for use a little bit later on, but, you know, not too far down the track. And this is where also if you are freezing, ice cube containers come in so oh, the handy. Best. Yeah, they are the best. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I used to do that also with... Uh, even though you do get basil all the year round now, but I don't know, the summer basil seems to be better. There's something about, I know, I find pesto. it, it's against my religion to eat it in winter. I just, even when I see it, I know it's probably grown in a great hothouse somewhere, yeah. but it's just like, no, this is not the right time. It's I not right. I need my basil it's in summer. Right. It's like, you know, it's having I can't have pesto past mid-March, at the Absolute latest. <laughs> and, that, and that's why we love you, Nikki. It's the same as, I don't know, Washington cherries. It's like, no, nah, no way. No, no. Sorry. Yeah. Not, having, not having those. Although I do like to get cherries now and pickle them. Like, I, if I can get a couple of boxes of cherries and pickle them now, they are great. 
they are just the best little snack. Mm. Um, and they're re- yeah, they're really great with just even like with a hard cheese, a pickled cherry, and some walnuts. Really different. Yeah. But sort of a little bit of acidity with the salty cheese and the nut. It's great. It's you very could, good little you snack. could throw it in sort of this avant-garde plowman's lunch. Oh, absolutely. I remember doing very, it's still one of the dishes I loved to cook as a young apprentice. It's uh, mm. Stephanie Alexander's restaurant in Hawthorne, and we did this <laughs> little little sausage salad. So we had these gorgeous little spicy, almost Lebanese-style sausages, and we grill them, toss them with, you know, like rocket and these other little leaves, um, toasted almonds and pickled cherries. And it was just the best dish. It was one of those things I remember cooking as a young chef going, this is awesome. Salad, but this is awesome. <laughs> you know, like, oh, my this God. Is, this is what cooking, you know, is all about. Isn't it, just, isn't it great having those little epiphanies when you go, God, this is valid. This is really good. Yeah. Um, pickled yeah. cherries, just very quickly. Um, do you, is there spice that goes in with your pickled um, cherries or is it just no, uh, a I, reflection I of the fruit itself? Then that's it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to be a little bit, you know, Special, you can sort of pop in things like cloves or cinnamon, yeah, but that would take why, you to a different no, area. Yeah. yeah, I really just like you know a good a cider vinegar, a sugar, and salt and water. That kind of you know pickling process, so that it's it. it just sort of is delicate. The cider vinegar is not as full on; it's still got some sweetness compared to like a wine vinegar. Um, so it will still you know reflect the sugar of the cherry. So I really like that. Clever. Oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of liking that a lot. Um, yeah. Oh, and also one of the things, while we still have stone fruit, um, one of the great, you know, eureka moments, revelations, the thing where you go, wow, that's really valid, is the idea of having a slightly caramelised piece of peach, like you grill oh. it hard and then combine it with stuff. What are your favourite things to combine that grilled peach or stone Absolutely. fruit with? Immediately, I think of prosciutto and stracciatella. <sighs> those those three items, a grilled peach, yeah. a little bit of stracciatella, and a beautiful, thinly sliced fresh prosciutto is just sublime. And Maybe also a little any bit of extra virgin olive oil. Fresh white Maybe. cheese works really well, oh, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, you know, of course we think desserts with stone fruits, but, you know, things like a really good grilled peach can be part of a great savoury dish so you know any kind of fatty ham can often go really well with those kind of dishes i love that sort of it's a very i guess you'd say i think it's tuscan you know to a certain degree to have that style of cooking even a grilled apricot with a piece of you know prosciutto is really good too Oh, God, it make me think i might even have a bottle of viognier with it too that sounds great oh boom boom just a cracker there, right there. Hey. Actually, hmm, might be doing that this afternoon. Hey! All right. Well, look, um, we we might leave you, but um, one of the things I do ask John before uh, I always go in is just to get him to do a very, very quick summary is yes. Nikki Rima from Bellotta in Bank Street, South Melbourne. Pick of the market. I would have to say the peppers at the moment. The frigitello and the padron peppers I've been seeing been fantastic. And I'll say one more other little thing, the little Lebanese eggplant. Been really loving them. Little roasted Lebanese eggplant, they're great. Um, and if you can still get your hand on some radishes, really, really good too. All right, uh, and one more thing, just because you do beg the question before we let you go, those little eggplants, what do you do with them? How do you cook them and what do you cook I them like with? To- 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to cut them in half, salt them and roast them uh, just with some olive oil and then serve them with a little bit of crushed walnuts and a little bit of pomegranate molasses. They're great. Mm. Another thing to do if you want to mm. keep them for further down the track yes. is candy them. Mm. Little, little firm. They've got to be nice and almost underripe. Firm Lebanese eggplant, candied with sugar and lemon and ginger and cinnamon. Further mm. down the track, then you'll be able to have them. They're great. It's a very Moroccan thing to do. Just have them as a have them with a cup of tea. Little sweet, gorgeous candied eggplants again with walnuts is a great thing. Oh, my God. You've given us your thoughts about food, but certainly yeah. some food for thought. Uh, Nikki awesome. Rima, got you rock. Have a great rest of the uh, day off. Say hello to those two cute little doggies of yours. I shall. They're going for a nice walk now. So, yes, I'll give them a big hug from you. Look forward to seeing them soon. Nikki Rima, thank you so much. Pleasure. Talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao. Wow, there we go. The first time ever. Um, wander around the, uh, the virtual take the chef to the market or the chef taking me to the market we're going to be back with Duncan Buchanan this is a podcast from Triple R an independent media organisation in Melbourne Australia Triple R is listener supported radio and receives no direct government funding if you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber hit up rrr.org.au to find out how Hopefully on the other end of the computer, Duncan Buchanan. Hello. Hello, Cam. Hello, Carl. Can you hear me? We can. It's a hallelujah moment here on radio. <laughs> One more time. Hello. It's, um, and this is about as close to being in the studio as I've been in however long because I, we're actually doing this via Zoom and I can see you guys. Yeah. yeah. You look great. Yeah, you got new glasses. Yeah, exactly. I have to upgrade them every couple of years because my eyesight is rapidly fading. Yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah, exactly. It's good fun. <laughs> yeah, mortality hey, how sucks. Good, how, how good's Nikki Rima? How good is Nikki Rima? Have you yeah. had her food? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At, um, the, oh, yeah, what was that one she had on Bridge Road? Uh, Bridge Road? Uh, Union, Union Dining with, uh, yes. with uh, Cash. Adam Ca- Cash. Adam Cash. Yeah. yeah. And I had, I had Mr. Double Denim enjoyed. himself. <laughs> Smooth as a dolphin, that man. Smooth oh, yeah. as a dolphin. <laughs> and yeah, I, I had the um, <laughs> I had the good fortune of being able to walk around a market with a chef myself a couple of years ago, yes. putting together a post a post vintage meal, and it's just wonderful the way just seeing someone. I think anybody who's very good at what they do, seeing mm. them interact with what they're doing is awesome, you know. Um, and just you know, get, getting getting really up close and personal with the produce that they're picking for for the feast. It was just great, an awesome thing to be able to do. Yeah, well, yeah, Nikki Nikki does it uh, does it pretty good there, and her food is amazing. We're well into vintage, um, depending on where you are geographically. You surprised me when you, we were spoke during the week, and you said Tassie. Nah, mate, they're still on the vines. Yeah, they're still a little way off there, um, mm. but things are starting to – they're really starting to get into the swing in Victoria now. I know some stuff's been coming off in the King Valley for a little while, and they're, they're very happy with what's going on up there. And, and one thing they're pretty happy about is the fact that nothing's on fire. Now, yeah, it's no smoke sound, team. I, I, I don't want to sound flippant about it, but a lot no. of people up there just – they didn't pick fruit last year. And um, and they've had uh, a couple of years in the last decade where they had to write off their wines, did they not? Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was two years yeah, that of smoke tank just destroyed the whole vintage King Valley. Yeah, and and yeah, there were 
there was some very problematic years. So mm. I think, again, we've spoken a couple of times about just the overriding sense of positivity that people mm. uh, have at the moment, and it's it's really ratcheted up. Last week's weather, I mean, how good was that? It was just it was just such a lovely week as far as um, cool. I know, just <laughs> being outdoors goes. Yeah, and, 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 and fruit yeah, ripening and, and bomas. And, and if we characterise it as we were, again, speaking before, this has very much been a La Nina year has it not yeah exactly yeah yeah really well put and that was but it's sort of i mean the characterization of the la nina thing is typically a little bit wetter around southeastern australia mm. bit of humidity which is not not wonderful when we get getting through that but i think they're just these slightly lower temperatures so yeah. you know we're in slightly more stable weather so it has it's a really it's a nice coolish sort of uh, yeah, and is it a generalisation, Duncan, that long, slow ripening is better than intense, fast ripening? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, That's, uh, oh, the, I'm going to write that, that down. Right. Yeah, <laughs> take five bucks out of petty cash. Hey, man. thanks, mate. Five. The nail on the is head. that all it's worth? <laughs> five bucks. Okay, <laughs> no, what? I'll take it. I'll take five bucks. Yes, I'm a winemaker, mate. I'm lucky to have five bucks. Okay, right. Yeah, right. All right, yeah, okay, I can, I can, I can dig that. Um, but, yeah, definitely a La Nina year, and that is actually probably, as we move forward in these uncertain times climatically, um, people are going to be looking maybe for these La Nina years for, uh, for great wines. Yeah, potentially, and it's all. I mean, weather has a massive effect on what we do, obviously. But there's also, I mean, you can be manipulating canopies and doing other things to make sure you're getting the best out of that particular season. Did but you say manipulate canopies? Pardon? Manipulate canopies. Yeah. So what do you leave? Mean? Do you do you leave leave do you, do you leave the leaves around your fruit, yeah. or do you pluck them out, or do you you know to offer protection from the sun in warmer years, which yeah. I generally do. Yes. But this year, it's not quite as warm and not quite as sunny, so I've plucked all the leaves so from around my, it up. Uh, my particular fruit. Mm. So you get a lot of a, a bit more airflow, and you need um need sunshine onto your berries for color synthesis. Mm. So that's an important that's an important thing to be able to do too. So I think people are just we know so much about weather. I mean, weather's the ultimate king. Right, the, the ultimate, the ultimate queen, shall we say, it, or the, and, uh, um, the ultimate arbiter of quality? Oh, You're a wordsmith, Smith. Yeah, Smith. Yeah, uh, it comes with the Smith. <laughs> but um, but yeah, people are yeah. Weather is the the ultimate boss. So, we, but we know so much more mm. about predicting weather and how weather patterns are going to go. So people are just adapting to those. I think we're better at adapting to what's happening within that season. Well, first of all, but we have having, to acknowledge it, don't we? Now we adapt. Yes. And yes, and exactly winemakers right. have been in the vanguard of that. It has to be said. Well, I think any any primary producers sort of at yes, the at yes, the top, aren't they? True, you know, because you know everything everything that grows is typically outdoors. Mm. <laughs> so they're going to be yeah, you're going to be at the mercy of the weather. Yeah, but having that um having a bit of a ring around uh, the state and you know down in the Tassie during the week. People are really excited. And I, a mate of mine, Ashley Hayden, the guy who I share a winery space with, he picked his um picked some sparkling base on Friday. He's doing his very first Blanc de Noir, so he's um he's incredibly excited about um having uh, yeah, that in his winery. But he's Blanc de Noir. So I, I take it from these three words that he's going to be making a method champenoise sparkling using just Pinot using black grapes. Is that the correct interpretation of that? Give me that five bucks back, Cam. Oh, really? Why? What did I, oh, damn, I screwed it up. <laughs> now, what, what's this Blanc de Noir? 
long time uh, it's uh, white as black. Yeah. No, so, so it doesn't the, have to be just sparkling. Yeah, it does. It is sparkling, but but he's using the three. He's going to be using the three varieties that you're allowed to make that you that you are allowed to make champagne from. So he's got Chardonnay being the blanc, Pinot Noir being the the black, and Pinot Meunier, which is the other the other red grape that goes into it as well. Jesus, oh, it's good having you on the show. I get to learn things. Thanks, man. <laughs> but uh, but he was that's right. But he was um he was stoked. He was really happy. With, he was really happy with the way the fruit comes in. But that yes. So he picked that. He picked that Friday hmm. at about ten at about ten Bowmate. Now oh, I, I want to be aiming. You didn't tell us where he is. So you did say you share with oh, him. Mornington. Mornington. Mo- okay, Mornington. Got it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mornington Peninsula. So he. So his. I want to get my Pinot in for. I'm not making sparkling wine. I'm not that brave or smart. <laughs> but um. He, I'll be wanting to get my Pinot in at about 12 and a half, maybe 13 Bomay, depending on a few other things. So I've still got like two and a half weeks mm. at least of them sitting on the vine, which is good. It's a, it's, a, it's really good ripening. But they're, they're getting into the swing of it in the Yarra Valley. I was chatting with a um, guy called Brendan Hawker from Yarring Station. He was, mm. he's stoked. Well, I said, how do you, you know, what's your, what's your take on the season? And as we said a couple of weeks ago, mm. if people have made it this far through and their canopies are in good shape, People, are, I mean, the fruit's looking really good. It's very, um, uh, very much like 2017, I reckon, from just the feel of the season. But there's a bit more fruit around. Like 2017 was a good vintage, mm. but there wasn't very much fruit around, so it ripened rather quickly. But now that we've got a bit more fruit on the vine, this cooler and this cooler sort of period, they'll ripen that little bit slower. And you need, and we need that to get those, you know, finer flavours out of the wines that we make. Gotcha, and I'm um, I'm taking it, getting back to this um, uh, this sparkling that was being made. The idea oh. is when you when you do your sparklings in the French style, shall we say, um, that yep. you want the, the 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 wines to be pretty lean, don't you? Yeah, you know they. I mean, different from sparkling Shiraz, for instance. What was that? Different from sparkling Shiraz, which is just this punch in the yeah. face. Can be some. Uh, let's be very diplomatic here, Cam. Some, some, some can be sensational, but now typically with um, sparkling wines, you want them picked that little bit early because you like that little bit more acidity, and you'll have the lower sh- you'll have lower sugar if you yeah. pick early, so you have lower alcohols, and that's it's much more preferred for that um, that style of wine. So that's why I pick, pick them that little bit earlier, mm. and, it's a good, and it's a good one because you know once you've got it off the vine, you don't have to worry about it being outdoors anymore. You can get it you know into your barrels and doing what you want to. No, it's do under it in the it's under room. a roof or in in stainless steel or wherever and it's it's safe and you it's can, a little more it's a little more controllable than the weather you know yeah then then have you seen all that uh, the red coming across the bay you know oh, uh, meaning yeah, exactly. the radar yeah. and also when it goes to black that's that would be the time oh, when you just go <gasps> oh exactly and that's it's and that's destructive like that that sort of that sort of rain doesn't do anybody any favors whatsoever because it's um mm. it, it can rain so hard that it just doesn't it just hits the ground and causes erosion it can cause a lot of damage and it's you know Getting 60 mil of rain in an hour doesn't do anybody any favours. We get a 60 mil over a couple of days. That's good. It might soak into the soil. We're going to do some good. Everybody's happy. Can I say something provocative? (laughs) Yeah. Do what you want. Thanks, man. Mac (laughs) Forbes, um, up there where uh, Ben Shuri has got his uh, incredible Ben Shuri summer camp, I think. Ben Shuri. You're really going to do this, aren't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Go. Ben ben Shuri. (laughs) Has done something to make Riesling useful. Oh, man. <laughs> really? And, and he, is, he has made something called Friesling, 
where he has got Mac Forbes's admittedly brilliant, beautiful reasons, and he grows some of the uh, the greatest reasons other than yours, of course, uh, in the southern hemisphere. But um, he has added this this beautiful riesling to a slushy machine and added uh, marionette peach in there a little bit there, and it is ambrosial. And dare I yeah, say it, and, we finally ambrosial. found a use for Riesling. I'll tell you, now, you always bring up these wild claims when I'm out of swinging And distance, you can't don't touch you? me. And, 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 I, and, I, and I don't mean swinging as in pop your keys in the bowl and see who you end up going home with. I mean swinging. <laughs> I mean touching. break your nose. Yeah, no, um, sorry. For those that have not heard us um, do our little chats together, um, uh, we've had this little contretemps over many years, me saying, uh, what do you grow, Duncan? You say, oh, amongst other great things, Riesling. And I say, uh, with my tongue planted firmly in my cheek, why would you bother? Uh, And uh, then the punch-ons go on from there. So we're just keeping that going. But uh, Look, I'm I'm more than happy for people to find alternate uses, not alternate uses, but experimental ways of of, art. of our of our um, utilizing wine, but I don't know. Riesling's a very special one for me. It's yep. it's wine making at its most um, uh, uncomplicated. You squeeze the juice away from the fruit. You yeah. ferment the juice. You bottle it. It's Is that like simple. the New Zealanders with Sav Blanc? Yeah, because that's the same thing. It looks after itself in the fact that you just take it. It looks after itself. It's done. I would actually say Riesling is a beautiful food one. And remember the case in point that when you did come in, when we were able to do this, I made you a leek tart, which I thought was a great match. And it was yeah, d- delicious match. And that's yeah. I think yeah. I think the um just the versatility of such a simple grape is uh is astounding. You're yeah, always going to stand up for reason, riesling, and I'll take that five bucks back and we'll punch your face next time I see you in Thanks, a very mate. loving way though. Oh, Kat, in a loving that. way, but also and it's a great ability um riesling to cut through fat and um and uh, yeah, really absolutely. give a beautiful counterpoint. Okay, yeah. so uh, 2021, the vintage is looking great. Uh, you've got uh, f- 15 seconds to say what's for dinner. Well, so, well we had some mates cancel um, cancel a barbecue lunch on us. We're riddled with food at the moment. Awesome. So we've got a, we've got a ribeye, we've got white bait, we've got sausages. So I'm thinking the ribeye with some white bait, do the old surf and turf. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I was going to actually say, if you do that white bait, that would be perfect with a Riesling. Case yes, in point. I'll have a I'll, and, with my steak. Good to chat to you guys. Always a pleasure, Duncan. Thanks, mate. Thank you There he goes, Duncan Buchanan. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 